Hello and welcome to the Travelling Through podcast. To those first-time listeners, I am Emma, your podcast host, and each week I'm out and about chatting to Londoners and those who love, live and work in this big and glorious city. This week, I caught up with Vittoria San Vicente, who persuaded her sister and family to pack up their gelato shop in Maastricht and bring it to London Waterloo in the middle of a pandemic. This is her story of setting up Candiero London. Just a note, we recorded this in the gelato laboratory, surrounded by freezers, so apologies in advance for the sound quality. I have made it back to Waterloo, to Lower Marsh, which is where I used to have my bookshop, and I'm very excited to find Victoria Samagenti, yes. <laughs> who has just opened a gelato in Lower Marsh, which is very exciting for me. Also rather disappointing, because if I still had my bookshop, I'd probably be here every day having pistachio ice cream. But, hey, it's probably better that I'm not, because my waistline would definitely increase very fast pace. <laughs> you could have done an exchange, books in exchange of gelato. Oh gosh, don't tempt me. <laughs> I might have to come and open just a, a little stall in the market instead. Why not? Yeah, well, I still have some books actually, so maybe I should think about it. Too. Yeah. <laughs> but um, Vittoria, did I say your name correctly? Yeah. San Vicente. Yeah, San Vicente, San Vicente. I mean, I've been used to so many different pronunciations, it doesn't really matter. In reality, the surname is Spanish, so I don't think even I know exactly how it's supposed to be pronounced. So, everything goes. Everything goes. That's good for London as well. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, we're sitting in, in what you call the lab, where you make your fake the ice cream. Yes. Um, and that, that may be why we've got sort of slow hum in the background. We just try some of your ginger ice cream that you're releasing tomorrow? Yes. So, yeah. as, a, as part of a selection of winter ice creams? Yeah, so we do uh, seasonal flavours and the ginger is coming out tomorrow uh, to replace the pumpkin spice which we did like over October, kind of around uh, Halloween. Yes. Uh, but now that Christmas is approaching we're starting to do ginger, we're definitely going to do panettone during December, so, uh, and I'm not making any promises, but I would like to have a Christmas pudding or mince pie oh, wow. flavoured ice cream. Um, so for all those listening and who are in London, in London SE1 or indeed anywhere in London, come to Waterloo to Lower Marsh and try Candiero's selection, winter selection of ice creams. But, um, we're going to backtrack a bit because I first met you, Victoria, when you came into Travelling Through the Bookshop, and I think it was because you were inquiring about the book club. Yeah. And possibly you were lured in my books too at the same yeah. time. I think I remember the first book I bought from you, which was uh, The Existentialist Cafe. Oh gosh, yeah. yes. yes. Um, Did you enjoy it? I really enjoyed it, and it was a suggestion of yours, and so Obviously, I came back for more, yes. and then I found out about the book club, mm -hmm. and so obviously that's how our lives started to be more connected. Exactly. <laughs> and in fact, you are still involved with the book club. Yes. Yeah. Managed to amazingly continue, even though I closed the bookshop, and that's been such a fantastic legacy, I suppose, for the for SE1 and Travelling Food, that you've all kept it alive while I've been 
going here, there, and everywhere, but not being able to do so, so connected with it. You're also reading Arctic Dreams. Yes. By Barry Lopez. I haven't started it yet, so okay. I have no idea. <laughs> uh, and actually, all, obviously, this year, as you can imagine, has been very busy, so I haven't been able to attend many of the book clubs. But obviously, now that it's winter, we're a bit less busy. Still busy, but bit less than summer. Mm -hmm. So I am hoping to come with at least a third of the book having been read. Okay. You know? all right. well, that's, that's do you remember, I, normally I never managed to get more than halfway through any of the books <laughs> because of being so busy with the bookshop, so I don't get where you're coming from. <laughs> it still will be a valiant effort, I think, to get that far. Yeah. <laughs> um, but before we start talking about the Candiera and the gelato shop, you're originally from Brazil, I just found out. You were born in Brazil. Well, I'm Italian, mm -hmm. but born in Brazil. And yeah, that's just, I mean, I could explain the, the comings and goings of generations of Italians, mm -hmm. but as you know, uh, lots of the Italians left Italy, uh, especially in the 1800s, because there was a lot of uh, famine mm -hmm. and poverty, and some of them went to the US, some of them went to Argentina, some of them went to Brazil, right. and uh, obviously different generations at different points uh, in my family. Uh, like different generations of Italians went to Brazil and then went back to Italy and then went back to Brazil and so forth. Yeah, I'm Italian born in Brazil. Okay. Hence why my name is uh, written Vitoria with a one T oh. instead of two, like okay. the Italian spelling. Okay, and, and the, the, the inflection. Yeah, and the, the accent as well. Okay. Yeah. Pain when, you know. You have to do official documents, and computers don't recognize <laughs> the accents of the O no. in your name. Okay. <laughs> so, when did you arrive in, in Italy? Were you a very young girl at the time? Well, my dad uh, is a retired pilot, mm -hmm. so we uh, lived in the US as well, mm -hmm. and then we moved to Italy. So, I was uh, around four or five, and uh, my sister would have been two or three. Which part of Italy did you grow up? North, near Milan, there's uh, all the lakes and obviously the most famous ones are Lago di Garda and Lago di Como mm -hmm. and the one I'm from is Lago Maggiore. Okay, is that on the border with Switzerland? Yes. Yes. Yeah, so it's half in Switzerland, half in Italy. In Italy. So Liguria, is it region or Piemonte there? Uh, so Liguria is near the sea. And so I'm, in, I'm from the Piemonte region. Yeah. Yes. And so the food there is it's quite hearty in, in land and very fish related by the sea. Uh, yeah, I would say where, where I'm from, uh, it's very mountainous, let's say. So polentas. Yeah, polentas and meat, obviously, although I'm a vegetarian, mm -hmm. cheeses. A lot of cheese. My area is very famous for gorgonzola, okay. especially, and taps like the ones you have taps. in bathrooms. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. it was uh, they, apparently they have a or they used to have the monopoly in the whole of Europe. Okay, well there we go. There's some yeah. facts for uh, a trivial pursuit question. Yes, <laughs> and ice cream. Did you eat much ice cream? Yes, when uh, we were kids, uh, my sister and I went to elementary school and 
nearly every day after school, we would go to this place around the corner. I would get a chocolate milkshake with whipped cream. Mm -hmm. My sister would probably have had a stracciatella. Mm -hmm. And we were always very disappointed when we went there in the winter and it was closed. So next time we saw the lady, we always said, why didn't you open in the winter? She said, because no one wants ice cream in the winter. We always thought, that's not true, we do. <laughs> so here we are in the gelato shop, open yes. in the winter. Fantastic. And you're also sandwiched between two schools with probably a lot of school children looking in the window and perhaps coming in to buy ice cream. Yeah, it's the best thing is when kids come in and they get so excited, they start jumping up and down and then they put their paws on the on the window of the display just because they get so excited about this. <laughs> Fantastic. That takes me back to my ice cream days growing up in Edinburgh. I was just having pistachios. But here we are in London and Candiero is a independent family-run business. Indeed. And I have a look at your Facebook page where it's mentioned that you've had your family to have a shop in Maastricht. Yeah, so uh, my sister is the mastermind behind all of the Candiero everything. She's the one with the biggest passion for gelato. Since she was a kid, she always wanted to have a gelato shop in Alaska, oddly enough. But I think that's a visionary thing. She knew, she knew about the climate crisis before it was even a thing. Oh, did I she? Think. <laughs> uh, but anyway, she wanted um, to work with gelato. And obviously, you know, she studied for it and she eventually opened the shop with my parents in Maastricht in the Netherlands. And they ran it there for five years, but then in 2020 they had to close. Just before the pandemic, it was a complicated situation. They had like a, a small shop and then they wanted to expand it next door. It was just a massive bureaucratic nightmare which I think is uh, somewhat of a talent for my family, just having bureaucratic nightmares one after the other. <laughs> they follow you, do they? Yeah, <laughs> the so, family curse. So you close the shop and what's, what was the kind of the influence or the, the catalyst behind being here in London and particularly here in Lower Arch? Yeah, well I think it was a series of small events, uh, but if I think back to it, the first time I thought about it, of course I used to live in front of the Imperial War Museum and my flatmate at the time asked me, hey, um, where should I go if I want some good gelato around here? And I thought about it and I thought, well really you can't because there are no gelaterias whatsoever around here and then to go for good gelato you'd have to go probably to Covent Garden at the time. Well, Gelaterino is still open, La Gelateria. Yeah. They're, uh, in my opinion, good gelaterias. So that's where the seed was planted and then everything took off from there. I suggested to my parents that we bring all the machines over here, obviously with the pandemic. We saw it as an opportunity because mm -hmm. all of these shops were empty. And I've never seen so many shops empty on Lower Marsh before. And it is, it was a changing time anyway, and I, I imagine the whole pandemic situation just accelerated the process that was happening in this area yeah. as well. So. so we decided to take the opportunity and originally actually I went to the different 
uh, shop. What's it? The one that used to be Greg's on the corner. Oh yeah. Yeah, but it didn't work out. So we ended up in what used to be the old tool shop, mm -hmm. and uh, we did a lot of work, as you can imagine. Yes. Uh, and then eventually we opened in May of this year. Of this year. Congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. So that, was that? Uh, was it hard to open? Because I can't remember now. May were we? We're obviously we're in the lockdown in May. Mm, technically, I don't think so. Yeah, so. No. And people were venturing out and probably delighted to see something. Ice cream gives everyone joy, I think. Yeah. Or makes people cough one or the other. But I think the majority of people love ice cream. Yes. And did you have a sort of a, a queue of people clamoring to come in? Yeah, well, actually, the first few days, a lot of people were just popping in, being a bit curious. We haven't been very in your face about being here for various reasons. Mostly, um, we had a lot of issues with the building. And so at the beginning we weren't able to have indoor seating, we weren't able to have a lot of the things that we wanted to offer to begin with. Yeah. So we were literally just doing only gelato. Okay, as a takeaway. Yeah, so literally just gelato. We weren't even able to do uh, milkshakes at the time. So we did a very, very soft opening. Right. But yes, there were cues you know, especially on sunny days. Yes. But I th I like to think it is because of the gelato being really good, but I also have to admit the shop is epic, so. <laughs> <laughs> but you're in a, a prime location. You've got a number of hotels here on the street. Uh, you've got the, the theater, you've got South Bank, very close by, you've got all the skaters coming through. Yes. And, uh, Waterloo Station just, just there. Uh, I suppose once people have tried your ice cream, they're, they're smitten and come back. They are. We have regulars, which I always, I don't know, in my mind I thought, oh well, it's a gelato shop, you will have regulars, but you won't see them that often. Mm -hmm. But you do, and it's amazing, and you have all these conversations, it's really good, you, you know how good it is to have regular customers. Because it means so much more than, you know, obviously you can have one really good conversation with someone you'll never see again. Yes. But it's so much better when you do know that you will see the person again. And okay. that connection is, is building every time that you see them. And that's the beauty of this area too. It's, it's quite unique in the sense that it's such a community right here, right behind Waterloo Station. A lot of people don't realise there's so many people living in this area and they, and they just appear, don't they? And you realise that the network is huge yeah. and very integrated yeah. and are so willing and enthusiastic to support independent shops, particularly here in Lower Marshes. Yeah, exactly. And of course, I'm, I'm pushing for the word waterpudlian to be a thing, by the way. So I'm gonna, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna use waterpudlian. But as a waterpudlian myself, um, I feel that very strongly. And um, there's nowhere else like Waterloo. Nothing can compare. There are a lot of strong communities in London, uh, but those make sense. Waterloo in a way it doesn't make sense because mm. you wouldn't expect it to be the way it is no, no. and that's why it makes it so much 
more special. Yes, yes. And um, you mentioned as well that the, the shop actually opens on the 5th, 5th, 5th of May, which ironically was uh, the 200th anniversary from the death of Napoleon. Mm -hmm. So we opened our shop in Waterloo on the same day that uh, the emperor died. Did you do that on purpose or was it just by chance? Well, it was kind of by chance, but also I'm a massive Napoleon fan. So <laughs> I was really keen to open that day because it happened to be that week. We were hoping to open way before that, but the building works were delayed so long. And then it happened that during that week, they were nearly done. Yes. And so we took the opportunity to uh, open on the same day that. Fantastic. But, yeah. <laughs> That's a great connection. And the name Candiero. Why Candiero? Is it a family name or is it a. No, um, so my sister chose the name. Mm -hmm. uh, Candiero is the name of the first original recipe for gelato, which was invented for Caterina de' Medici during the Renaissance. And uh, it was, um, I can't uh, think of the translation in, uh, from Italian to English, but basically it comes from the color of the gelato that was very white, so uh, candid, uh, bright color. Candiero was the name of the recipe and that's why she chose it, because what we do is proper traditional artisanal gelato you can't get more traditional than using the name of the first traditional recipe. Yeah, that's great. It's nice to have uh, a real sense of purpose almost behind the name of your shop too. So yeah. Your I mean, just try, as I think, uh, with the ginger ice cream that you're watching tomorrow's video, as I said. Um, what is the process behind making an ice cream here in Cafeo? Is it, is it a secret or obviously there's a process? Yeah. Um, so your individual ice cream flavors are your family secrets? Yes. Okay. <laughs> but the actual essential elements of making the ice cream, can you just explain in, in very uh, broad terms? Uh, are you using, where, where are your products coming from? For example, are they coming from markets in, in London or are they things that have? Well, some of the things we import, for example, the pistachio and hazelnut, we import the paste from Italy because it's 100% pistachio paste, 100% hazelnut paste. Uh, my sister is very particular about the flavors and the ingredients that we use and obviously um, we don't want to uh, bastardize the any of her work, which is amazing. If you have tried the ice cream, you will probably agree. The idea is that we don't use any pre-made anything. We don't use artificial colorings. We don't use artificial flavorings. And so um, some of these things are really hard to find. Yes, yes. And you can only find them on the Italian market, obviously with the Brexit it takes a bit longer or you have to do a, a massive order uh, to get you know your money's worth um, when importing so yes it, it depends on the on the flavor and obviously we do seasonal 
flavors because of um, the taste mm -hmm. is not the same. For example, if you take a watermelon and you make a watermelon sorbet, it's going to taste amazing in July, but in December it's going to taste like watered down cucumber. Yeah, so because it's not in season. Exactly. So there's a lot of this going on. Until you actually 
know what that feels like, oh, if yeah. that makes sense. Yes. So yes, it's a, it's been a very interesting learning curve. Yes, yeah. and are you enjoying? I'm absolutely loving it. It's very stressful, obviously, <laughs> but it's really rewarding, and there are moments where you make a difference in someone's day that you don't even realize how big that difference is. Yes, yes. And Just over an ice cream and flavor yeah. and taste, isn't it? Yeah. Talking of ice cream flavors, do you have a favorite? I suppose it changes with the season, so what was your summer favorite? Yeah, so my summer favorite was lavender and honey. Wow. And it's just incredible. So I can't wait to have it again next year. Yes. And my winter favorite so far is the apple crumble. Okay, yeah. so I think I shall have to try that as well. But yeah. I see you also have pistachio, which is still, I can't help it, it's my, my <laughs> favorite. It's also my benchmark, actually, uh, between my screens. Yeah. So also that's a very interesting concept because you're you're getting people involved in tasting and trying different ice creams and then finding their favourite but then having to wait a season until they can try it again and introduce their palate to another favourite. So that in itself it means that you're, you're working the seasons with your ice cream and yeah. also bringing new interest into the shop new people in as well depending on the flavour. Yeah, of, of course there's some flavors that you'll never not see. Uh, so for example, pistachio is always going to be there. Hazelnut is always going to be there. Vanilla is always going to be there. Coconut, I thought uh, of taking off for the winter because I didn't think it was very wintry, but people were very much upset about that. Yeah, because they absolutely love the coconut. Yes. So they, um, so I put it back. You put it back on. Yeah, I put it back on. So uh, coconut is not going anywhere. Uh, okay. so ever. Anybody, anybody worrying that coconut is off the menu? It's not so you can come back to the Yeah. Have you other ideas to bring customers in during the winter? Yeah. Uh, I did see on my lips your Instagram post, so I saw that uh, you were serving avocados, which is it can be all year round, but obviously during the winter it works really well. Uh, affogato, for those who don't know, is ice cream covered in coffee. But you can also do that with hot chocolate. Mm -hmm. So we've got a coffee machine, so you can have affogato, like you can have all, all the normal coffees, but you can also have affogato, which you can't find anywhere else in Lower Marsh. And the other thing that you can find here that you can't find anywhere else in Lower Marsh is a marocchino. Uh, I won't explain it because otherwise no one's gonna come in to find out. No. So marocchino is layered chocolate and hazelnut paste, mm -hmm. coffee and uh, froth. Oh wow! And it's a thing we do in Italy, but no one does here. Okay. So. I have to try one. The other thing we do is we've got hot chocolate, the Italian thick hot chocolate, yes. not the milky English one. Mm -hmm. Not to say the, Engli the English one isn't good, but the Italian one is exceptional. It's the thing you have when you come back from a hike in the Alps and you sit in front of the fireplace and then you put whipped cream on top mm -hmm. and it's just amazing. Okay. So. 
uh, proper hot chocolate, we have uh, little sweets mm -hmm. uh, called brigadeiros, they're yeah. the Brazilian side coming out there. They're kind of like fudge, but nothing like fudge. Um, <laughs> they are very chocolatey, very tasty. We do tiramisu oh, as well. Nice. We've got lots of really good soft drinks. Mm -hmm. So for example, I don't know, the, so the cherry tea, I don't know if you know the brand, but they are all organic, fair trade, all of these amazing things. And they also have a foundation to donate their profits mm -hmm. to developing countries, like projects in developing countries. So we're working with them. And then we may or may not have a few surprises. It's okay. But what's, what I love about everything that you're saying is that you're thinking very seriously about where the product's coming and what are, what's, what are the ethics of that supplier. And so it's not, it doesn't stop with you, it's, it's in terms of doing things organically and fresh and no favorites. You're, you're carrying that on through uh, the products that bring into the shops, you're bringing a real paper trail, if you like, of, of uh, being as, as clean and as transparent in your approach towards environment and, and the social impact that your shop adds down the line. Yeah, we, we do our best. <laughs> it's, uh, it's hard, it's hard. Uh, even when you're really as passionate as I am, as you already know, sometimes the system really works against you. Yes, yes. When you're not making ice cream? Yeah, well, I, I do need to specify, I sometimes make ice cream, but we have someone a lot more professional than me uh, <laughs> who does the ice cream, Asia. She has three years experience in gelato making okay. and she is the gelato She's your gelato maker. maker. Okay. Yes. Cat to front of house, yeah. To the YMX, yeah. And uh, providing the smile and the hellos, and, and your sister probably pops in now and again when she can, yeah. And uh, I mean, obviously, the recipes are, are the foundation of everything, sure. so yeah, and um, all very, very exciting and very early days, too. Um, is this a dream? I know it's obviously a dream that your sister. Is it something that you ever envisaged that you would do in your life? No. <laughs> <laughs> so, is it, a, is it a dream that you may have had subconsciously? <laughs> Maybe. I think uh, owning, owning a shop on Lower Marsh is definitely something that I'm really excited to be able to do. Mm -hmm. Did I ever see myself owning a shop? Maybe. I, I thought about it a few times. Did I think it was going to be reality? Not really, you know? Yeah. It's, it's some, some things, you know, when you think, oh, I could see myself doing that. But it's so far away. And then all of a sudden it's there. Yeah. It's kind of hard to reconcile the, reconcile the yeah. two. Yes, the reality, yeah. the dream role, the idea and the reality. Exactly. <laughs> do you sort of pinch yourself? Frankly, I have an ice cream shop. Yeah, gelato. sometimes they still do. How did that happen? <laughs> exactly. So over, over Christmas time, obviously, you're really, really busy. Are you going to be open over, over Christmas? Yeah, 
I'll be here, uh, Asia and Kate, who are both Italian. So just in case you're doubting anyone's Italian here, there's only one poor guy who's English. Oh. <laughs> you speak Italian? No. He yeah, really should. Yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, so I'm the one staying here this year. Mm -hmm. And uh, we'll be obviously closed on the 25th, 26th. Yeah. 27, 28th, because they made those uh, substitute bank holidays. Of course, yes. Um, so, of course, uh, do you know how London is during Christmas? It's, it's quiet and then it goes crazy. Yeah. It's, it's unpredictable as well. So, I don't know how it will work for New Year because New Year around here is normally pretty crazy. But they're not doing the fireworks. Yeah, so we're staying open, I think it's 29, 30th. And 31st, we're open. Okay, so, but everything will be on. We've got Instagram, we've got Facebook. Okay, so before we move on as well, we should we should just say so. It's can, just look up Candiero, which is spelled C A N D I E R O. Mm -hmm. uh, Candiero London. Yeah, at Candiero London on Instagram, I think as well on Facebook. Or just come down to Waterloo and Lower Martians and. And have a nice cream at lunchtime once you've got bought a sandwich or from the many stalls that are here. Yeah. Ice cream dessert. Exactly. Why not? Machines have got fun. The music was playing. It was very nice. Um, when you're not in the shop, where do you like to go in London to, to relax or enjoy life? It's a bit boring of me, but. Waterloo. <laughs> I absolutely love Waterloo. So anyone who knows me from various different parts of my life, mm -hmm. I get this comment a lot, which is every time I think of Waterloo, I think of you because I'm just so into Waterloo. It, it's, it's my natural habitat. So uh, if I'm relaxing, you don't know, or you might see me at the Imperial War Museum Park having a walk, or at the Scooter Cafe having a coffee and reading a book. And yeah, that's that, this is my happy place. You're a woman of the Waterloo Hood. Yeah. <laughs> of SE1. Yeah. But if you, if you want to get out of London, or when you do get out of London, where, where would you go? Do you have places that you like? Bristol. I absolutely love Bristol. Okay. Uh, I don't know why, but this has been a thing since 2019. I went there to check it out because I thought, oh, everyone tells me they could see me living in Bristol. I'm wondering what this is all about. Yeah. And I went and I absolutely fell in love with it. And uh, sometimes when I go to Bristol, I just have like butterflies. <laughs> Uh, I had that, like, I went to a, a climate change and the law event once, and it was in Bristol, and I had this thing where I got the, the butterflies, butterflies the when I got on the train, I was like, oh my god, I'm going to Bristol. Uh, and the last time I went, it was incredible, because it was after BLM, uh, and obviously we all know about the Colston statue, and we've all seen the pictures, but to actually walk the distance between the plinth mm -hmm. and where they threw the statue in the harbor really is so powerful because you can really see how far it is because mm -hmm. that statue weighs 400 kilos, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. And they dragged that for a very, very long 
time yeah, before yeah. actually throwing it into the harbour where yeah. it should have stayed but now it's at the M shed it's part of an exhibition oh, you nice. can actually go see it and it's got you know all the graffiti on the statues really amazing mm -hmm. really incredible okay. absolutely love it. so Bristol it is yeah and yeah two and a half hours and yeah buses. it's yeah. very easy exactly yeah. in fact it's and it's cheaper to go by bus yeah but if you could just tomorrow get on an aeroplane or get on a train, not an aeroplane because you haven't flown since 2010, you said? No, no, uh, early 2020. Oh, early 2020. Yeah, oh, okay, yeah. alright. No, I, I chose to um, stop flying because of the climate crisis. Yes. Okay. So, if you could get on a train anywhere, where would you go in the world? I'd love to go to Poland. Mm -hmm. This is the thing. Obviously, there are some places where you will have to get a plane to go. Mm -hmm. Obviously, I've still got family in Brazil. Mm -hmm. I'd love to go see them. By boat? Uh, <laughs> I don't know if that's more sustainable, to be honest, because boats, depending on the boat, can be very um, that's polluting. True. You'll have to do like go to Tumba and go on a yacht for someone who's going that way. Yeah, that'd be really cool. <laughs> It'd take a while. Yeah. Exactly. Did you get seasick? Yes. Okay, so not really a, a not a pleasant option. <laughs> no. Uh, but we'll I'll think about that. I'll cross that bridge when I get there. Uh, but yeah, Poland. Uh, I really am curious to see because apparently it has beautiful nature, wonderful food. Yes. And sounds like an amazing place. Have you been around most of the UK? I mean, I've been around a lot of the UK. I haven't been to Cornwall yet. Mm -hmm. I would really love to see that. The Silly Islands mm -hmm. as well are on my list. There's obviously the famous route names road trip. That'd be really cool. There's a, a road trip you can do where every stop is a place with a route name. I think in Scotland, for example. <laughs> I don't know exactly. Twat. T W A T T. There's a a road trip where you can uh, cross the UK. It's kind of the the rude names version of uh, Lands End to John O'Groats. Okay. <laughs> Quite an entertaining tour. Exactly. I I do have this tendency to do this kind of stuff. So for example, in France, I had my whole route planned when I cycled. Uh, was based on the fact there was a place called now I know it's pronounced Toi, but it's spelled in a way that uh, looks like pores in Italian. <laughs> so I really wanted to go see that place. So my whole itinerary was based on the fact that I wanted to go there because of the name. <laughs> Did it live up to expectations? It was cute. Okay. Yeah, it was nice. I, I am not disappointed that I went there. So. And the other time I went to Hartlepool because of the monkey story where apparently in Hartlepool during the Napoleonic Wars um, there was a shipwreck of a French ship near Hartlepool and obviously the Hartlepudlians had never seen a French person or never even heard uh, French being spoken before. Problem was the only survivor of the shipwreck was a monkey. It was uh, the mascot of the ship and it was dressed in Napoleonic uniform. So the people of Hartlepool thought it was a French spy and put it on trial and hung it. Oh, no. Yeah. So because of this story, I decided let's go to Hartlepool 
and my ex-boyfriend was uh, really kind, drove me all the way up there and then it just turns out that it's a very unfortunately deprived area of the UK, very much ruled by an oil refinery and wind farm and just a general post-industrial vibes. That didn't live up to expectations then. No, but it did give me really interesting insight in uh, the places that aren't London. Yes. In the it's great to be inspired to go to places based on different stories or things that you hear. Yeah. It, it takes you to the unusual, and the unusual normally widens your understanding of life, really. Exactly. Okay, well, Tani, Candiero, what's next on the agenda? You're launching. Ginger flavors for Yes. What else? For now, toxic. For now, toxic. Yeah. So basically, we need everybody to keep their eye on your Facebook page and your Instagram page because that's where you put all the put outs, what you're doing. Well, Victoria, thank you so much for spending time with me and talking about Scandiero. Thank you. After a long day's work, I think you've just come straight from your your, your day job. And I'm now going to to try and get a pistachio ice cream and maybe uh, apple crumble. For all those podcast listeners listening, that you've enjoyed it and been inspired. Do take a look at the Instagram and Facebook page. Please follow them. Please follow the Travelling Through podcast and please keep posted. There'll be more coming out next week. But for now, take care and thanks for listening. Thanks, bye. bye.